Hello, fellow Goulders, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your morning and my co as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Still tough times with Corona, but I think we're starting to hopefully flatten the curve somewhat. Yeah, I mean, I think we're slowly but surely getting there because, I mean, um, and I've noticed also the, uh, what was it, the Bundesliga, since they're not starting, or it looks all set now for May 9th, and from what I've heard also, um, the fixtures will probably be also all free to air because um, I've heard also the Premier League are looking at doing something like that also for the football fans. So I think it's going to be quite beneficial to everybody because th- it's going to still be a while before you know everybody can start playing in uh, you know uh, almost like attended stadiums. Because look, I think even when they do open the gates to the to the fans, and I mean that's probably going to still be a bit. But I think it's probably going to be, you know, almost like 10% capacity for maybe a, a week or two weeks or something like that. And then they will probably just start upping it with the bit more. Yeah, I, I do think it will probably be, I think maybe latest, I mean, probably earliest probably, and I'm maybe speculating a bit, but October, November side, end of the year side, probably before they allow fans again to come in close proximity like of each yeah. other at the stadium because... Wow, that's really has rocked everything. And I mean, you know, sport, I forgot what sport is almost at the moment. Yeah, I think it's actually quite strange to see. I mean, look, the only time you can actually go on, on, you know, when you go on TV or on YouTube, whatever, you can just see now either pre-recorded stuff or, you know, where they're really digging, digging into the archives to bring up like, certain aspects of, of, you know, whether it's football or uh, you know, other sporting events. So, I mean, it, it's quite tough. And I think it's going to be almost like, uh, you know, being a kid in a candy store when everything does start. I mean, whether it's, you know, even behind closed doors, which is, uh, it's uh, almost like you said now, just to get that, that almost like a taste for, for live sport again. Yeah, one takes it for granted, actually. Eh? You know, you, you don't realize, you know, when you complain about the international break, you know, there's still at least something to watch on TV if you want to, Keep yourself busy and also not just soccer, I mean, your cricket, your rugby, you know, boxing, yeah. all these other type of sports, UFC, and it's all just, you know, a standstill at the moment. Yeah, because I mean, there were actually quite a few events, especially like what you know, mentioned with the UFC. I mean, I was also looking forward to that one big main event that was planned for uh, what was the first or two weeks of April. That thing, of course, had to fall away. I mean, I think even the, the Owner of UFC was trying, but Kuba Cook to get some sort of fight card available. But I think under you know when they all came under immense pressure, then I think that thing just fell away. But that being said, I mean of course everybody you know has their opinions with this whole the lockdown and and things like that. I mean I know you and I partially you know differ with things, but I mean my take is just um, you know you also need to to. You know, as tough as all this is, I mean, we know the, the which age group is now, you know, uh, prone to the soul thing. But I still think, you know, for for the for the like for the body to to uh, build up an immune system to this soul thing or like antibodies, as they say, I think almost like you need to also, you know, almost like uh, almost like release the shackle somewhat, because I mean, I think if you're going to be constantly also be kept indoors or you constantly told to you know, the whole thing with a mask and all that. I mean, you're almost like just weakening your own system. So, I mean, the, of course, it's my take. I mean, everybody's going to have a different sort of take to it. But I just think, you know, the 
various governments and they should also just somehow ease up some of these restrictions because I mean it's, it's getting to a point where it's almost like people are, are asked or told to snitch on others and I mean I don't think that is the way <laughs> of life. No, definitely not. Definitely not. It's it's just strange to see the situation we're in, you know, and would have thought, you know, when the whole coronavirus broke out, everybody would have, you know, been in the situation. I mean, you would have thought, ah, it's just a flu and, you know, it's going to halt soon, but it's just, I've seen nothing else spread like this before in my time, you know, being being on this earth. Yeah, because I think uh, if you you take now, I mean, I'm not just trying to think, of course, we went around and that, but I think like, you know, with, with, during the World War Two, and that I think that is where everything ground also to a halt, like sports wise. And I mean, I think there's quite a big chunk where you see, if you go through the the you know the the sporting annuals, we can actually see this big uh, jump between like you know with the duration of the World War and the the way the the premier, the league titles at the time, the uh, Division One titles were uh, ended. Yeah. So I mean, you do see that sort of gulf. But I mean, I think this is. You know, probably the, the the next one that we actually now you know experiencing in real time. What what's the latest on the Premier League? As well? have we had anything? Are they planning on giving Liverpool the title, or they still going to carry on the season? Or it's, there's so many permutations at the moment, and of course, you know the journalists are going again bonkers for this, for this, all like various conspiracy theories. Because I mean, I'm not also um, you know holding up any sort of you know almost like pipe dreams because there was like one article I saw, I don't know if it was two days ago about, yeah, Arsenal could still get um, the spot through that UEFA coefficients. I still think it's going to come down to points. Like, I mean, look, I think the FA and the Premier League will try to, you know, either by Oko Bakru finish this league season. And uh, But I just think now that the media, since everything is not so slow, and it's almost like, you know, the way sometimes you and I are struggling sometimes to get certain topics or whatever for the, the podcast. But I, I think it's also like with these journals and that they don't know what they're now doing. So they're just randomly pushing out any sort of permutation. Because I also think it's going to come down to, like, if the season gets sorted out, I think it's going to, of course, be overextended. You can clearly see it. And then I, I think all that, that little permutations will have to be sorted out, as we mentioned, I think, over the last few weeks about how contracts are going to be worked out, how loan deals are going to have to be sorted out. Because somehow, you know, the difference will also have to be sorted out because I think there's also been contact between Roma and Arsenal with regard to Mkhitaryan because he's supposed to, you know, almost like return back to Arsenal, I think, mid-May, you know, when the season ends. So with the season now, of course, being prolonged, I think all that sort of deals should be also prolonged. And speaking of contracts and that, I don't know if you saw, there was also an article now about Pablo Marie, and I think it looks quite positive with him actually getting uh, almost like a short-term deal at Arsenal. Oh, wow, he must be ecstatic. I mean, he probably thought, you know, getting the deal to Arsenal and then um, having this coronavirus come in after he kept a clean sheet in his in his um, Premier League debut. And then now to be um, given the contract, I mean, he must be quite happy about it. I mean, uh, my take on the player that I've seen so far, look, he's now played a handful of, of uh, under-23 games before he got, you know, that, that first-team chance. But, uh, I mean, I don't know what your take is on the matter, but I just think, you know, I was somebody that 
with, with, with regards to say David Lewis, I was I just wanted him like say out of the club, come into the season. But you know, something like with Pablo Marina, they it, it looks like a total different sort of David Lewis you're seeing now. Yeah, he looks a more calmer guy on the ball. He doesn't seem so erratic, and you know um, how he just kind of loses his head. He seems a, like a more mature defender. I don't know if it's the partnership, maybe it's the the language they can both speak together. I don't know, you know, which which is a factor that's improved his game to an certain extent. Yeah, because I mean, you do you do see because look, I mean, you, uh, when you think of of the sort of performances Louis is putting in from the start of the season till you know midway, you still thought, okay, you know, was is now a massive massive mistake. Look, I'm still not really overly convinced about the, the deal itself. I'm not talking now about what he's now achieved now in the latter, uh, the second part of the season, but. I mean, if, if it's going to keep on like that, the way he's now played in 2020 with Maria at his side, then, I mean, I'm all for him then staying then because it actually looks like they complement each other. Yeah, 100%. And then he also threw into the mix. We have Saliba coming also. How is that working? Does he come in August? Does he, you know... <laughs> yeah. when, when... I mean, their season's not finished um, at all, so or, or won't be finished as yet, so does that mean he still will play season out, or...? Yeah, but look, everybody will have to come so, like, I think this is where UEFA is also probably going to have to step in with regards to how, you know, on a, on a larger scale of things, where they will have to decide how things are going to come to, you know, draw to a close each one season, because I, th- I don't think you can say, okay, we're going to start there, we, you're going to have, like, too much of a stagger thing, because you still have to summer. They're going to also have to figure out European competitions and, and things like that. So, I, I mean, I don't know how that's going to work. But I still think you will, uh, you know, almost like see out the season whenever Liga finishes. You will probably see it out then. But, you know, with what is so shocking of this, if you think of it, but who knows? I mean, Callum Chambers could even make a comeback, even if you think of like the. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, I'm sure these guys with the long term interest are also, you know, quite yep. happy. I mean, you know, you have opportunity to make the Euro 2021 if it's still happening. Yep. So, you know, there's a lot of positives to look at for certain players, you know, more than negatives. Speaking about that, like, uh, I, I don't know if you saw the article with. Ozil not wanting to take a pay cut. I don't know the whole full story. Like, I just read, read the part where he didn't want to take a pay cut. Is there some other ulterior motive of why he doesn't want to? Do you know? Look, the thing is, it's down to... Look, he does also a lot of charity work. I mean, of course, he got invested in the media and stuff like that. But, you know, that being said, uh, you know, they did a breakdown yesterday of that figures. And it's exactly what you were saying last week in the podcast about uh, when, they, when they did the deduction with, with like say, Ozil Salad, look, they, of course, gave the breakdown of the whole squad. But, I mean, Ozil went, goes like from 350, I believe, to about 305 a week, 1,000 a week. So, as you said, it's, it's not going to like, <laughs> you know, you, you also wonder, like, you know, why make a fuss of it if you know? And I mean, look, uh, I'm not sure if you heard about it, but they said, look, that's that 12.5, yeah, I think we mentioned it last week, the 12.5% that wage cut, if Arsenal qualify for, for the Champions League, you know, whichever way, look, you don't know how this season still plays itself out, then they will actually be reimbursed at that same total. 
So yeah, so it's motivation to do it, but but I mean, I think what what is actually I think the thing that that it's like kicked up the hornets in somewhat was like it it came down to majority the majority vote and the majority majority vote forced Ozil's hand in where he had to he was not forced to take it with two other players, but of course everybody I think probably seeing another flag that Ozil came I think they're not trying to keep it under wraps where. Who the other two were that, that also were on Ozil's side and that also didn't want to take the, the wage cut at the club. But I mean, you know, you know if it's whatever he's going to be earning a week, is like two two ninety-eight or three or five per week. I mean, are you really going to struggle buying groceries with uh, with with two ninety-eight thousand yeah. pounds a week? I mean, I, I, I'm an Arsenal fan and like you know through and through I support the players, but I mean that's just a bit ridiculous. I mean, and I understand he's a, it's his long long hard cash that he's losing out, but if you look at the greater scheme of things, he's not going to go sleep hungry tonight. Yeah. I mean, in that mansion of his, and it's. It's almost, it's almost immaterial. I mean, it's somebody, you know, who's working their, you know, their day jobs or like, you know, hard work, electrician, plumber, accountant, whatever you call it, you know, nine to five jobs, painters, whatever, you know, they're taking a 10% pay cut. It's much bigger to their overall salary and they still have to, you know, do their job or try to make a living while Urzel sitting with his feet kicked up, you know, on this comfortable couch, everything state of the art. I don't know if you also saw some companies, like whether it's now in Europe or, or I don't know if they're doing it there in, in South Africa as well. But I mean, also in the States and that they're doing that where they're putting people like on furlough where you're almost like, uh, you know, taken out of the you know the job market. But as soon as everything runs normal, you almost like drafted back again immediately as a, you know, as a worker. So, I mean, that is the sort of people I'm actually also feeling for. And, and now it's now also official now with, with the... Um, you know that leagues below the the conference. Yeah. That's now, of course, that's the, the season's over. And I mean, now it's not like these guys that are now almost like having to twiddle their thumbs now until any sort of action is going to be, you know, allowed again football-wise. Yeah, I mean, then you look at you know look at that situation. Then uh, Ozil was doesn't want to take a pay cut to his three fifty k a week. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. So I mean, I was like, I was telling my friend the other day on one of the chats that I was doing. I actually think it's I'm I'm I mean, I think I did, did mention it the other day, but I'm really impressed about how the the Bundesliga and twice the Bundesliga have now, you know, almost like combined, you know, put their minds together, and then they almost like letting that uh, you know the money that they've now with this whole wage cut stuff, that money they're using to filter down the leagues now. Uh, you see, that's like you know that's the thing about the the German leagues. Like you know, you always hear about such good friendly gestures amongst each other at the club. It's not just about money grabbing all the time. So you know, it's it's you know really good initiative that happened, and nice to see as well that the lower league and the the lower leagues and the top leagues still feel that you know they can talk to each other and you know come to agreement with each other, not one calling the shot over the other. Because I think what what they don't really get in the, in like say in the, in the Premier League or in that it's like they don't think you might have an amateur club, but I mean that people also have expenses like they have to still see that the groundsman gets paid or uh, almost like a like a handyman or whatever. Or because look, they don't have you know where they have like a, a full team of groundsmen or ground staff and 
They didn't have a full team of this or that, you know, on the, the outest things of football. But, I, I mean, I just think that is where you need that sort of protection. Because, I mean, I, I was feeling sorry even for there were uh, like clubs like uh, Charlton the other day and, and other teams that also, uh, you know, that are in the red. And they, they almost like were, were um, almost like just living off the this money that they're getting now from playing in like, what's it, League One or whatever, or League Two or, or and Championship. But I mean, they also need some sort of outlet financially as well. If you don't have a, you know, a big backer financially, then I mean, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, just another, you know, off, off this whole Corona topic and wages. Um, I don't know if you saw on this Premier League Real Live that we, we see now. Um, there a documentary of Sol Campbell that was playing and it was just something that I thought, you know, what a signing we, we, we did back in, what, 2001. I mean, of, of all the people to bring, you know, from the arch enemy bringing Sol Campbell in. And you look at Arsenal and you think, like, you know, that is how you win titles, I mean, with your defence. I mean, yes, it was, a, it was a bargain signing, but, you know, are, are you always hop on that, you know, if you saw that the defence, it's, it's going to be fine. I mean, we didn't even need a, uh, like, at that time, we still had our, our proper back four, but, they, they they went and used the initiative to bring in a guy like Sol Campbell to even bolster the defense who quite possibly, you know, for that period could have been one of the best in the world. So, you know, that that's definitely the route Arsenal need to go. And you just listen to his mentality, him speaking, you know, before a Man United game, how serious the, the, the dressing room would be or the training ground, the game before Man United, Patrick Vieira would be flying into a tackle you know, because he knows what's what's coming up. It's almost like they riled each other up before the big games against United. And, you know, you miss that fire under the bellies in this Arsenal current side. Yeah, because, I mean, it, look, when I look at, at say that, that this, you know, where things started going awry for, for Unai Emery in that first part of the season, you know, it's almost like when we would try to force our game on people, the team would retaliate, the opponent would retaliate, probably leave us, you know, give us a bloody nose, and then just back off, back off, and then run away. Whereas now, I think Arteta is slowly bringing that, almost like, you know, we can go toe-to-toe, you can try to, you know, take a swing, but I mean, we're going to come back double at you. And I think that sort of attitude he's kind of bringing back again. And I think with regards to Sol Campbell, as you mentioned, I mean, what I always find hilarious, I don't know if, if they included this in that thing that you were watching, but when he was talking about um, how that old deal took place where they had to actually meet, you know, late evenings, then David Dean would have almost like a, a, you know, cab with tinted windows and (laughs) come fetch him at his place and then drive him. And then they also had to see that they're not being followed by the, you know, the tabloid papers and stuff like that because they had to keep this thing so under wraps. And, And I mean, by the time it came around, that old deal then took place, it caught everybody, Arsenal fans, Spurs, uh, Spurs fans, and I mean even the hardcore journalists. It caught them also totally blindsided. It was a, it was a phenomenal signing. I mean, United had won the league three years in a row before that, three seasons in a row, and then you know, Sol Campbell spoke about as well. You know how how much pressure he felt. I mean, he left Spurs to come to Arsenal. He said second place wasn't going to be good enough for him, and the players also were you know, wanting to redeem themselves. And, 
you look back, it, then they switch over to that um, 2002 game at Old Trafford after we just had won the FA Cup. And now the Arsenal side went to, to Old Trafford without Thierry Henry and went and went to still go and get that result at Old Trafford. It just shows how massive these... And, and also, sorry, injured Robert Perez as well when he did his cruciate neg- ligaments. Yeah. Just shows how you know resilient the Arsenal side was back then, not dependent on anybody. Like, it was a team effort. No, I mean, look, that's what we mentioned the other time about and having multiple leaders. I mean, you don't have to have five captains, like some people were pointing. <laughs> but I mean, if you show on the field your, your true leadership, you don't need an uh, armband around your, your arm. You do it by, you know, with your, your, your mindset, your, your, you know, your communication on the field. And, that. and I mean, it's almost like everything worked. Like, a, you know, like a, when you have a perfect, like an orchestra, everything just worked perfectly when, you, when that team was set up together. Yeah, you mean, that's a perfect example. You had Tony Adams on the park, David Seaman, Saul Campbell, Patrick Vieira. I mean, these are guys who could all be a captain of a side, but there's only one captain, and the rest all led. Almost, you know, almost with the captain kind of stood behind him, and, you know, also would tell the captain, look, I think this needs to change X, Y, and Z. But it just seemed like, Arsenal moved so much from that to yes, no, sir, players who didn't take initiative. Yeah. And I mean, what, what I also admired of that, that squad that Wenger put together in that, that first part of, of the 2000s, or even like, you know, the late uh, 90s, was for every position, he had like two solid players that could come in. Okay, I wouldn't say really much the, the goalkeeper, because, I mean, David Seaman kept fit for, you know, huge chunks of a season. But I mean, look, right back, he had always people that are able to do that. And, and look, by the time Colatore came around, he could play holding midfielder with ease without breaking a sweat. He could play as a backup right back. And then he had Gilberto, who could sometimes even slot into central defense if, if things were getting too tough, at, you know, in, in the, either in the middle of the park or in defense. And I mean, at the back, there was a period also where we, in the latter part of Ashley Cole's career, and then, of course, we had Gail Clichy that was where they were, Wenger was always alternating the two of them. And I mean, it worked also a dream uh, at left back, even. So, I mean, you had this, this whole, and I mean, it went right down the field. Look, many people don't think much of, say, someone like Sylvan Veltor, but I mean, that guy used to score crucial, crucial goals on. And I mean, it was in, uh, normally that, that scruffy away days. Then yes, he, Everton. Yeah, I'll never get that ball when it was like, did it? <laughs> <laughs> he up into the goal. Uh, that springs to my mind immediately, and and like a goal of Kanu in that one-two-one game against Bolton, where he just studs the ball, and it's like we had the okay, no, no, Kanu was magnificent, but we we we've had that that just that players would pop up, like I mean, a Sylvan Viltor, you he was a type of guy almost like Chicharito was for Man United at that stage, you know, you know, at nil-nil, where's the goal coming from? Where's the goal coming from? And then you get him either taking a deflected shot or getting on the end of a of a loose pass or something like that. We just had everything. I mean, you know, perfect example is right back with Lee Dixon, you know, passing the torch to Lauren. It's almost like we were, like the players were also new in the, you know, the peak of the career was, and they weren't scared to pass the torch on us. And that's what we, we don't have that currently in the team. I mean, if Amiyang's gone, who replaces him? And I mean, what also... Uh, something that always also sticks in my head of this, you know, almost like the very successful era of Arsenal was that, 
you know, that link up that between Burkamp and Freddy. Because, I mean, the amount of times that you see Burkamp just slip that ball through and out of the blue, you just see Freddy come with a, a, you know, like just a little slight touch under the keeper's body or just a little dink over the advancing keeper. And, I mean, that, that sort of combo was also ruthless in, in some games. I, I, I actually, while I've been now watch the old Arsenal clips of video back then, like you're talking about Freddy, I just picture him doing that 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 late run where no one picks him up uh, and he's like at one-on-one with the keeper or Perez playing a one-two or getting the ball, it's curling a shot from outside. Oh, we, we had a phenomenal team and I think, you know, as me being still a teen at that time or slightly younger than just a teenager, you know, you, you don't appreciate that 100%. Like, I mean, you got the full perspective of it and... I mean, I, I wish I could go back and have an Arsenal team like that again. Yeah. yeah, but I think, look, the way Arteta is going about it now, I think it is the right way because I mean, it's going to take baby steps. And, and, uh, and I think it's also what you were saying in the, like, you know, when the, when the appointment of Arteta came about, where you might not say, you know, I'm not saying you now, but I mean, the consensus, consensus amongst Arsenal fans, like, they might not say, okay, Arteta is our guy. But I mean, either way, all of us have now drummed up around him. Everybody is now supporting him. And I mean, that's quite a huge chunk of the Arsenal fan base now that are, you know, fully backing him and, you know, willing to give him that time. But I think it's also now come to that point where the, it's going to also come down to, to Kroenke to also show or whether it's going to be Stan or Josh, but also to show that the board has also got the full backing. And I think that is where... Where I told you where they also need to at times also keep, just keep a tab on 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 Raul's on there, just so that he don't go almost like full rogue, and he you know where he's almost like totally taking things over and you know, there's a total breakdown between that like his position and people like Edu and Arteta. So I just think that you know the board should put a make a almost like support Arteta where he needs whether it's finances or whatever, but also keep tabs also what the CEO is doing. I hope so, and I hope Arteta keeps it clean and not have two different girlfriends to distract him from his football. Oh, God, it was scandal on Emery. That was also kind of embarrassing. I mean, that one, <laughs> that friend of mine, also Arsenal fan, he, he, was, he actually messaged me the other day on WhatsApp, so he said the only thing Arsenal were good for for Emery was new hairstyle, new clothing, and new teeth. And then, of course, he added <laughs> and women. I couldn't believe it. I mean, like, I was like, no wonder the season fell apart towards the end. I was even focusing on the games. I mean, when, when, uh, the, the, of course, some of that one article I was reading was like, you know, going really in depth because they actually had now an interview with one of these ladies. And I mean, this guy was like taking, like, say, after a game, he would like be jet sitting off to Spain and stuff like that for like two, three day trips. <laughs> thinking, God, what's going on? Oh, and it took him, it took Arsenal that long to fire him after the negative results. Now, Betty, when he knew the sacking was coming, he probably still took that that uh, some sort of trip between that list game. We should have been sacked, and that international break that we're talking about, we should have been sacked. It probably prolonged it. They're like, okay, we can't do it now. Okay, let's wait till he, maybe he can prove himself, and then. I guess, you know, it's it a straw that broke the camel's back, but it does seem Arteta is more focused, more driven, and more ambitious with the club. So, you know, even though I wasn't happy at the start, I do feel I'm happy to have him as my coach. Because, I mean, I think what, what I'm actually admiring about him is also, he, you can see he's, he's planning already for next season, because 
I, I really think he's probably going to also freshen it up with the with the coaching staff. I mean, I'm not saying he's now not happy with him and that, but I just think he's going to probably try to get people that knows him inside out as well, and 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 can bring certain aspects to the game. And and I mean, in a way, I'm also keeping my fingers crossed that it's like you know that Santi Cazola fits the ball because I just think maybe that sort of midfielder giving you know being a mentor to some of our creative players can also give him that little edge or that little boost to start chipping in a bit more with the goals. Because, look, that is also where we've been lacking goals from the midfield. And I think that is where he could be a major, major asset. 100%. Our title-winning runs or whatever, it's, it's been always... Our, our goals from midfield has been pivotal. Yes, you're going to have your striker who's going to get to your 20-plus, 30-plus. But yeah. you need that... that other two, three, four guys is going to get you 10, 15 plus. I mean, because your stri- striker's not going to be firing all the time. So if he can, you know, they can get goals from midfield, it will make a massive help to Arsenal and chasing their various causes. One thing about this Corona, though, I've, I've forgotten what that horrible Olympiacos defeat, actually. You know, it's, it's it doesn't feel as bad anymore as it did, probably, that they still be playing football. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is actually something that I also want to mention to you, and I mean, probably maybe something for the listeners also. Um, you know, with us, you know, stuff that you've done in our podcast, you know, that, I mean, um, this is not just a, a hypothetical question, it's not like it's going to be like this. But I mean, what do you think, you know, our podcast would be like if we did like a post match podcast straight after, especially like a defeat? <laughs> Yeah, I I think we'd probably be swaying most of the time and be criticizing, wanting to sell off the squad, and then if we had to listen to it, I I think that would be so funny afterwards. How you praise that same player like a week, like you know, up to a game, coming up to a new game, like you know, he's really good, he's matured with age, but you know, after the game, you don't really see that. You just see red. And you know, sometimes, like, uh, what I've also been doing sometimes when I, like, sometimes what I would do, like, I'll, I'll listen to the podcast if we, like, if I'm in a sauna, and then maybe it's, like, post-game of, uh, of like, say, something, like, say we did the podcast on the Thursday, we maybe lost over the weekend, and then I listen to it, and then I think to myself, if I'd not done, or we'd done another podcast on, a, say, Saturday evening or Sunday evening, I don't know what's the... Uh, you know, swear words, curse words coming out of us. But you know, when when that, that that first day or even second day passes, then you actually start thinking rationally, and you think, okay, maybe I was you know a bit overboard. And I think, you know, sometimes we have this this, this club. I'm not mentioning names now, but these fan TV uh, things. When you have that, I think if if if, if a, uh, an interview thing like that gets done sometime later. And not, you know, straight after, or, you know, the people exit the stadium and stuff like that. The other, you probably could get maybe some rational things, but it's almost like you're getting that, 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 almost like that you, you're gunning for that, that wow factor. So you, you know, interviewing these people and you get that, you know, almost like volatile responses. No, I can, I can agree with that because imagine, like, for example, you and I, or even like for me, even because it's further, but I travel all the way, you know, to London to watch Arsenal and they give a sub bar performance and lose 3 0 or 2 1 at the Everest Stadium. I would be livid. I would probably, you know, be just even worse than those Arsenal TV guys with, like, you know, when they go on. Yeah. But I mean, thankfully, I mean, look, 
you remember when we also discussing the the, the uh, certain games at full time, and I mean, you and I are probably fuming, and you know, loads of red face emojis and stuff like that. And then afterwards, like, you know, a day or so afterwards, anything, you know, you've taken a breath, your heart rate has now come down uh, quite a notch. And then you think, okay, we could have done better here, there, and we. And then everything is done in a more calmer approach, like analyzing a game. That's why I respect Wenger so much in that regard, because I don't know how he, you know, after the press conferences, kept himself so cool, calm, and cordial, speaking with the guys, let him down so much times. Well, at least, like, for our listeners, just to know, I mean, Wenger got you into that trend when you were growing up, like, with the throwing of the water bottle. When he's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, those were the days. Uh, hopefully, Emre Arteta gets us back to the before the water bottle started being thrown around, Wenger. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll end off another podcast. Hope you guys have a fantastic upcoming weekend. Take care. Stay safe. Bye.